Thanks for listening to the Church in the City podcast. Subscribe on iTunes and follow at Church in the City. Who knows what today is? Yeah, this is where I do my best preaching. I get other people to, to talk. Today is Testimony Sunday. Testimony Sunday started uh, three years ago uh, where we thought, man, wouldn't it be awesome to just highlight, one, take a Sunday and highlight some of the incredible things that God is doing in the family of church in the city. And we did it on the Sunday after Thanksgiving and it absolutely blew up and we've done it every year, every year since. Uh, this is a Sunday that's near and dear to my heart for, for two reasons. You know, when it comes to testimonies, and that word, by the way, testimony, just means to tell of something that has been done, to tell of something that has been done. And, and the testimony does two very specific things here uh, in, in, in the life of a believer in Jesus. First of all, it points to Jesus and gives him glory and praise for what he's done. It points to Jesus. In the Bible, in John chapter 9, we see the account of where a man who was born blind was healed by Jesus. And... All that man could do to explain what had happened was simply to say to anyone who was around, uh, some hostile, some believing, uh, but he could just say, I I was blind, but I met Jesus, he healed me, and now I see. And that's the essence of testimony. This is what God has done. I'm sharing it, and Jesus is glorified. Secondly, in addition to glorifying Jesus, Testimony is near and dear to my heart, and I think to yours as well, because it highlights something of family. It highlights something of family. You're going you're gonna to have people come up today. You're going to hear from people uh, today who are just like you, who are wrestling through the same things you're wrestling with, who struggle with the same things that you are, have the same dreams, doubts, and things, and you're not going to get finished products up here. You're going to hear from people in the midst of trusting God, hearing what God has done, and hoping for what God will do. And The fact is that that just brings us to a deeper place of relationship as a family. Would you agree? We're just better together. And that's just the point. We're better together. And what deepens that is hearing from one another. My wife, a couple of mornings ago, obviously there's... Um, school has been off this week, so mornings at the Lusk house have been considerably less hectic, and I quite enjoy it. We're considering not going back to school. I'm kidding. All you teachers out there, I'm kidding. I know you're considering not going back either. But, but my wife took, um, took our three oldest kids and told them some of the story of how she and I met. Uh, we met back in 2001 and how we dated and went up and down, and then finally we got married um, 10 years ago. And the kids came running to me after and said, hey, Dad, Mommy told us a little of you guys' story. And I've known my kids since they've been my kids. But because they knew something of my story, there was an instant deepening of our relationship. I didn't think I could get into a deeper place with my kids. But they were like, Dad, we know about you and Mom. And there's something of that that happens when someone has the bravery to come up, the courage to come up and say, listen, this is what God has done. This is what God has done. And you know what? God isn't done. And I'm trusting for more. And you're my church family, and I'm sharing. So I just want to honor the people that are sharing today. Some are going to share in person, and we actually have a couple of videos of people who couldn't be here today. But I, I, I wanted their, their stories to be shared So testimony highlights and brings fame to Jesus and highlights and deepens family as well. So I'm praying and trusting for something of that to happen today. Happiness? All right, that's like literally all the talking I'm going to do. Isn't that awesome? Lucky you. So wonderful. I want to invite Whitney Hastings to come up. Come on up, Whit. Yeah. Whitney's going to get us started and uh, go to town. I'm going to set my timer, James. So I like... <laughs> so when I was talking to a friend, he made sure and gave me advice, and he said, whenever your one shares their testimony, make sure you start off with a really salty line. And I was like, I considered that for a while, but what I realized is the saltiest thing about me are my tears. And as it comes to be, I believe that that's exactly what the Lord would have me share with you. The journey for the last five to seven years of my tears, but not just the sorrowful tears, the joyful tears. And I've come to see that while in Ecclesiastes 4, the Bible talks about the fact that we have a time for weeping and a time for laughing, a time for mourning and a time for dancing. 
I used to see that as like, oh, you'd have a season. You'd have a time of being sad and then a time of being happy. And more of what I've come to see, it's been more of a dance for me. That in the moments whenever um, life has been really difficult and I cling to my Jesus and I can't stand on my own, in the next moment, he's just spinning and twirling me around and I'm feeling as though I'm flying. And it's because of him and the way that he has loved me so purely and so fully and so wholly. And so I'm hoping as we see, it's not like, okay, back in 2011 to 2016, Whitney was really sad, although I was. But um, I want to see that like through it all, the Lord's been working his perfect plan. So it's also in multiple forms up here. So, okay. In 2007, I believe that my life was finally set. I was moving back to my hometown. My sister, my parents were there, and I was ready to start my family. I was then married um, with someone I had known since second grade, and uh, it was like, this is it. I'm going to be a stay-at-home mom, and I'm going to live the life I've always dreamed. A year later, um, I was still struggling. Oh, and there were tears, excited tears, celebratory tears. A year later, I was still struggling with infertility. And there were tears of emptiness and longing and yet a surrender to whatever life the Lord had for me. And the day that my niece was born, I remember saying, Father, I wish it were me, but I will trust you and what you will give me. And a week later, I found out I was pregnant and there were more tears on the floor in a puddle, praising him for his perfect timing. October, that was April, October Um, My husband was so debilitated by depression, he could not leave our house for his work or for doctor appointments for our growing baby. So I had lots of tears of isolation for a long time. Um, No one could know um, what was going on with the confines of our home because of the nature of what his illness was and just out of respect for him. But my tears were also because of my intimacy with my father as I essentially just then carried on in my life by myself. Um, In our marriage and in our home and in our community, I was was kind of playing both parts. In November, my husband was diagnosed with bipolar 1. And as I sat on the floor, 33 weeks pregnant, um, down in St. Louis, I had tears of saying goodbye to the man that I knew. And hello to a moment-by-moment dialogue with my father. A few months later, January 1st, my Tanner Lee, he was born after 40 years of, 40 hours of labor. Law, not years. <laughs> Lots of tears. of exhaustion and um, anticipation. Um, I remember, though, being pregnant and saying, Father, like, are you sure right now a baby? Right now where I can hardly take care of myself and an ailing husband and you're bringing in a baby? And I'm like, this doesn't seem like the right time. And he reminded me of Mary and Joseph and they didn't think it was the right time either, but it was. In March, um, a hospital in St. Louis on a team of doctors took my husband from me for observation for a while. I have tears of absolute bewilderment. Then I was praising the Lord when Colleen showed up at my door. Oh, how you never left me, Father. A year and a half of insomnia ensued. Between sozos and exhaustion, sleepless nights of feasting on scripture, and then tear-stained journal pages of how long, oh Lord, how long, but then followed by tears of peace. You are enough, Father. Your power is made perfect in weakness. I am so weak, but you are so perfect, and I will keep living, and I will keep giving, and I will keep pouring out, because you are the well that I draw from. In July, my journal, Father, deliver me, tears pouring out at the kitchen table, the quickest and least painful way for Tanner and me and Ryan to actually be loved and love. We are floundering. Ooh. Five weeks later, uh, blindsided by my husband's adultery, after 14 years together, tears of devastation and tears of assurance, writing, you alone will take care of me, while rolling around on my bedroom floor, writhing in pain. Tears as I saw Colleen and Maria and Kelly and Keely and Kristen at my door, each traveling over three hours to come be with me in my time of need. A week later, 
tears. Goodbye house, I had to move with my parents. Goodbye staying at home. Hello graduate school, hello work. And screaming in my car as I drove away from a screaming and crying Tanner every morning held in my angel sister's arms. Father, I have never stopped praising you for Courtney. Courtney said, no one else will watch your baby. I will watch your baby. And I left and I poured into the other kids that I needed to see every day at school. The doctor's office examination table. Jesus telling me, just look at my face. Only look at my face. Just look at my face. My sweet daughter, you have no idea the good things that I have in store for you. And Maria reminding me that of over and over and over through the last few years. So many tears. Calling Colleen every single day for months and months and years on end. And hearing Church in the City truth secondhand through her reminding me, it won't always be like this. Tears of discomfort and then whispers from the spirit of my coming victory. And even then of my present victory. Another year and a half. Tanner needing weekly counseling appointments. Am I really regularly contacting DCFS, Father? Are they really using words like unidentified trauma and childhood abuse? Father, please, no more, no more tears. Jesus, please, more of you. And yet perfect love drives out fear. Perfect love drove out my fear. By this time, that's when I was coming to understand Ecclesiastes 4, the time of weeping and dancing. It was at night during the day when I ate, when I lied down, this constant dance of, Father, you're holding me. Father, you're dipping me. I don't like this song, Father. And then spinning in the, in the arms of my true love. Inexpressible joy and unimaginable sorrow, both bringing me to my knees. Isaiah 54, written to the wife deserted and grieved in spirit, a wife who is cast off. It shows love for the afflicted one, storm-tossed and not comforted, me. (laughs) And there's a promise to set your stones in antimony and lay your foundations with sapphires, tears, clinging to this every single day, minute by minute. Reminder, looking at my ring, starting my ministry at my old church for single moms. We can do this. We have a foundation coming, a foundation being built of blue jewels. Tears of an unquenchable hope. Two years of being faithful in the small things, work, studying, tan and me, counseling, and the simplicity being um, eroding away the lies, starting to see the truths. My value is rooted in my father's love for me tears, praying in the spirit, tears of relief and power, believing I'm worth it, tears of conviction, listening to every Church in the City podcast episode, including last year's Testimony Sunday, in November, on the floor, prostrate, sobbing tears when the Lord said, you will share your testimony next next year, you will be there, you will tell the story that I've been writing, and I said, Okay, I will move to Chicago. I can't believe I uh I can't believe you're saying it, but I'll do it. February 2017, Chosen Women's Conference on Isaiah 54 about how the Lord has been strengthening our stakes and calling us to enlarge our tents. Minda's words, if it's good for you, it will be good for your children. Tears. April through May, the Lord connecting me to the most influential and powerful leaders, not to mention believers, in the Chicago and National School counseling scene. June, in faith, I asked the Lord for a job, like my previous jobs I didn't actually even apply for. And he did it in the interview. They looked at me and said, like I was an alien, what is your secret? Where does all of this peace and excitement come from? What is your strength? And I was like, Lord, this is my moment. It comes from my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It comes in the fact that he has redeemed me from the pit and he has brought me here to Chicago. Why are you coming, a single mom from rural Illinois? Because he said to, and I want to give my son his best. They were like, okay, we'll be in touch. (laughs) August. Sunday, I, they were offered the job to me, 
And on the floor, the, almost the same spot where I fell when I found out I was pregnant, on the floor crying with my son, tears. Tanner, we're moving. We're moving to Chicago. God gave mommy the job. The next day, secured the apartment across from Maria and Colleen, my best sister friends from over a decade. Sunday, August 19th, the first time worshiping at Church in the City as my home church, floodgates of tears. I've been no stranger to tears. The power, though, I believe, is in the tears of sorrow and the tears of joy. I moved to Chicago believing the Lord had called me to be a part of this church. And since moving here, I've still continued to cry my tears. Like the first time that Tanner moved the little happy smiley face to the calendar, as opposed to sad, angry, and numb, which is what it's been for the last year and a half. The night at Connect Group, I was absolutely breathless and undone by my father's love for me. The songs Claire texts me, the hugs Rachel gives me, the truth the Nelsons give me, the times Emily reminds me the Lord really does have your back. Every morning when I wake up and get out of bed and look down and see the sapphires beneath my feet. My tears have been because I never knew it could be so hard, so painful, so lonely, and so agonizing. But my tears have been because my God never, ever, ever, ever left me for a single moment. My tears have also been because I never knew it could be so good, so peaceful, so joy-filled, so empowering, and so exhilarating. So when my son has come to say, because he can't ever really say mommy and daddy, when he says his mommy and his gaudy, I cry and I'm reminded of Minda's words. If it's good for me, it's good for Tanner. So I just stand here today to proclaim the goodness of the Lord. The picture he gave me was of a fountain, a big fountain, like Bellagio fountains or like Buckingham, like fountains, where as the tears came down in this like pool of deep, it was the same tears that came up and shot up sky high, much higher than anything I could have ever imagined or done on my own. And the Father is the current between both of them. So I no longer fear my tears dropping, falling, and pooling. Loss, defeat, seeming failure, heartache. I don't desire it, but I also don't dismiss the power and victory that comes on the other side. So Jesus asks us, or sorry, not Jesus, James. James... <laughs> My writing's a little bit scraggly. <laughs> James asks us to include what we are trusting God for in our testimony. And all I have is more of the dance. Lord, I love you so much. You're my rock and my redeemer. When you were all that I had, you were all that I ever needed. Father, I'm wholly satisfied, content, thankful, and in absolute bewilderment and awe because of your love for me. I'm trusting you to be you and trusting that you're all I truly desire. I love you, Lord, my Abba. I trust you for my foundation of sapphires as I learn this dance of sorrow and joy. Thank you for being such a gentle, gracious, kind, and ever-present leader. I'm done. I don't know how long it was. <laughs> so, yeah, you, you should get to know Whitney. <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, every time I come into Testimony Sunday thinking, like, okay, I'll, I'll just work to try to transition between these, and I'm literally, like, undone. It's 10 to 11, and I'm just, oh, thank you for sharing. Thank you. I want to transition to uh, a, a couple named Philip and Graziana Christ. They're not here today. They're actually celebrating Philip's uh, parents' 40th wedding anniversary out in Iowa, and it, it happened over Thanksgiving uh, weekend, so they're out there. But I asked them if I could film their testimony. Uh, it's an international testimony and something that uh, just an amazing way that God has brought them together uh, in their marriage. Uh, they got married back in August. So without saying too much, uh, Kate, go ahead and roll it. Be more like, you know, yeah. show that you're real loving. Sure. All right. We'll just kind of get kicked off here. My name is Philip Christ, and this is my beautiful Romanian bride, Graziana. And we just uh, want to encourage you to our story. We kind of want to... Um, just reveal the heart of God and just how good he is, how kind he is, how faithful, how sweet, and how such a good father he is for his children and how he brought us together. So on my side of things, in the spring of 2016, I essentially had been kind of in a, coming on the end of a, a six-year season of singleness. And I remember that spring 
very specifically crying out to the Lord um, for him to bring my bride into my life. And I had been praying for years and years and years. Um, God, could you just write a heavenly love story with my life? And the passage that I really love for that is Genesis 24. Um, What I really love about the story is in Genesis 24, we see Abraham, who has the heart of a good father, want the absolute best bride for his son. And I always believed that that was God's heart for me. I really felt like I heard the Lord say, Philip, don't forget you're part of a worldwide church. And when he said that, two things kind of came to my spirit. One, I remember that about five months earlier, I had traveled to South Africa. Church is part of a worldwide body of partnering churches. And in the fall of 2015, there was a conference. I met folks from South Africa, from France, from uh, Asia, South America, from Europe. And it just really reminded me that I am part of a worldwide body of believers. Uh, So I used to live in Spain like 10 years ago. And um, God told me to go back to Romania. I just really didn't want to do that. But I wanted to be obedient to God. So I came back. I started to study. And um, after a few years in Romania, I just couldn't find my place. And I felt like, I really want to go back. And um, while I was on a trip in Spain, God spoke to me very clear to Psalm 37, where it says that, uh, just dwell in the land. Yeah, delight yourself in the Lord, and He is going to give you the desires of your heart. So I was like, okay, I'm going to see what's going to go on. And um, by that time, I was part of a great church. So people asked me, so are you going to get married, or are you going to ever meet somebody? And I was like, I don't know. I want to have a family, but I'm never going to just go and expose myself somewhere just for the sake of being married. So I said, you know what, I do believe that God can send me somebody here. So I said, you know what, I'm going to expect miracles. After a few months, uh, we had a trip. Um, we had a team from Paris, from the NCMI church in Paris that came in Romania at our home group to minister, and we were very, very encouraged. So they invited us to just go and attend the conference that they were about to have in like three or four weeks equip conference. Uh, God really provided miraculously for me to just go there and I was very expectant that God will do something. I had no idea what but I just felt in my spirit that God will really do something. A few days after there was this guy that he wrote me a message. Hi my name is Philip and I just want to introduce myself and my first thought was um, he seems to be a nice guy, but it's just not going to work. I was deeply convinced that that's not going to work. This is now two weeks after I had prayed and asked God uh, to bring me my bride and him saying, Philip, she could be anywhere in the world. I see this beautiful, lovely gal show up in my in my Facebook pictures with my friends from South Africa, uh, my friends from Paris, and my friends from the Netherlands, and... Um, you just the NCMI folks from around the world. Uh, I guess I was emboldened to send that note and say, "Hey, my name is Philip. I live in Chicago." We really got to exchange a lot of messages back and forth. And what I was seeing in her was someone who had a similar calling to me, someone who had the same vision for her life as I had for my life. Uh, she boldly asked me the question about two weeks into these messages. So, Philip, uh, why do you want to know so much about me? And uh, I just laid it out there saying, hey, this is why I want to get to know you. I don't really care about the distance. And I'm interested in pursuing you and pursuing your heart. Yeah, that was very significant for me because I just met a lot of guys. I was like, it's, you know, never once were super straightforward. And I was so annoyed by that. So I really appreciate that about him. But I also wanted to try to get rid of him because I didn't really like him. <laughs> So you did try getting rid of me, yeah. but I took it as that she was open and free, and I took that as a good sign. And then I pray. I said, God, if um, you want me to continue the friendship with him, I couldn't say like to be in a relationship or anything else because that was too much for me. I said, I just I want you to show him a rainbow. That night in the U.S., um, I don't dream very often, but that night here in the U.S., I had a dream uh, that I can very, remember very distinctly. I dreamt rainbows all night long. And it seems like the Lord really needed to, or wanted to protect your heart too, though, because you had been exposed to international relationships before that hadn't yeah. worked. I had to fly to London for business, and then from there it was super easy to go over to Romania, and we got to meet. And there we were both just praying, God, would you just either align our hearts to move forward or give us both peace going the separate ways? Mm-hmm. And we both really f- felt great confidence and peace going forward, so we 
made it a relationship. We did the back and forth thing up until uh, we were able to get married this summer, uh, August uh, 2017. God is writing our love story and he continues to write it. How amazing is when God works on your behalf. I never liked this sentence, but actually it's really true and I, I was able to see this in my life because you always want to see God working now, right? You don't you don't want just to uh, get comforted with the fact that, oh, God is working on my behalf, but that, that might be seen in like five years. You know, you want to see it now, but actually really God is working on our behalf. And if you look back to our story, we can just go way back in, in time, like 10 years ago, and just to see how all our decisions and some other people's steps in faith brought us together and just built this yeah. amazing so we have a lot to be thankful for this Thanksgiving, yeah. and uh, we love you, our church family. Yeah. Bye. Um, I really wish it was more complicated than that. More complicated what? They were uh, super fun to film. You know, with Graziana saying, yeah, I wanted to get rid of them, and Philip going, so you're telling me there's a chance. <laughs> <laughs> Keep knocking on that door, bud. <laughs> Uh, but honestly, you know, one of the things that you, that you need to realize is this is but a glimpse. I mean, it's but a glimpse. The point of this is you're sitting next to people in whom and through whom God is doing amazing things. So it, it, it's, it's essential. We're impoverished if we're not sharing with one another and, and giving a testimony to one another of what God is doing. And that, I say that because this is simply a glimpse. If you guys know Philip and Graziana, you know that that is like, not even a movie trailer of what God has done. Uh, so talk to Whitney, talk to them, ask, ask God, ask, ask them, what is God doing? Tell me more. I want to invite Aiden and Eloise Whitaker up. Woo! Aiden and Eloise, back in September, made the long-awaited journey to the U.S. from South Africa via New Zealand and brought their kids, Starla and Rock, if you don't know this family, get to know this family. They are some kind of awesome. And I'm just going to hush and let them kind of share about what God's been doing in their hearts over the last few years. Thanks, James. Yeah. <laughs> we are so thankful to be here. <laughs> so we've got seven or so minutes to share a story that's eight years in the making. But we are so thankful to be here. We're thankful that God speaks and we're thankful that God sustains when he has spoken. I'm not sure where you're at with God this morning, where you're at on your journey with God, but the thought of God actually speaking to you might sound so weird and so foreign, that God is so far out there, why would he want to speak to me? Why would he want to guard my future? And every one of the stories we've heard this morning, we've heard about God speaking, and he speaks to us because he loves us. No matter what we've done, no matter what we've been through, no matter our story, he loves us and he wants to speak to us. If you can take anything away from this morning, know that God is a speaking God. And he wants to speak into your story and turn your story into a testimony of his story and his grace. So we've been married 10 years. Feels like forever in a good way. Can't remember that for that, you babes. And early on, I mean, God gave me a dream when I was way younger that one day I would go to the nation's. And uh, I was a part of an amazing church in South Africa called One Life Church. Uh, when we left, I'd been a part of that church for 29 years, on staff there for six years. And uh, when we got married, we both knew that one day we would leave. So we had options to leave all the way through our marriage on different adventures, but we always felt God say, no, it's not the right time to go. But about eight years ago, God began to give us a dream, not only for the nations, but for the USA. We'd never thought about the USA, but my friend was planting a church in Denver, and as he planted, we thought, why don't we go join him? Well, that wasn't God's plan, but eight years ago, God gave us a dream for the USA, and we began to pray, and we said this to God, God, we will go wherever you send, but God, would you please speak clearly to us? And we didn't give God an ultimatum, but we said, God, this is the way we'd like you to speak to us, firstly, through your word. Because I want to be sure, I've been here 29 years, I want to be sure that you've spoken. Speak to us through your word. Speak to us through prophetic words. Basically, that means when God tells somebody else a part of your story and gets to encourage you and share something with you about your journey, even though they know nothing about where you're going. And then also speak to us through your peace. And we said, God, we're not going to go anywhere until you speak clearly. And we're going to give ourselves to the season that you had for us at that One Life Church. 
Three and a half years later, we got to come to the USA for the first time. And we spent six weeks in between New York and Denver, Colorado. And we knew that it was the USA. Yes, God was in this, but it definitely wasn't going to be in Colorado. I remember driving a truck, and I, the only thing that was missing was the, the, the hats. And I was listening to country and Western music. The Colorado mountains were there. It was beautiful. And I was like, Lord, this is awesome. But I, I, I just know you call, you've called us to a bigger city. <laughs> Maybe it was after a week in New York. And there was something really cool that happened before I hand over to more. I have to share some cool things. Yeah, you tell that story. Okay. So while we were in Colorado, we were staying in this beautiful house that someone had let us stay in. And that was a really significant moment for us because so that was five years ago. Aiden came down the stairs and he said to me, after spending time with the Lord, he said, I feel like God said we're going to have another child. It's going to be a boy and we're going to call him Rock. I was like, I like that. And he said, I feel we're going to live in Chicago one day. And I was like... Chicago? I mean, we'd never even really even thought about Chicago. So that's where the prayers specifically started for the city. And uh, we left the USA wanting to stay in the USA, but thought it was best to leave. And, uh, but we knew that as much as God had placed... So first of all, it was a dream for the nations one day. Then eight years ago, it was a dream for the USA. Then we left this trip with this funny feeling inside that one day we would live in Chicago. So we arrived back home and God still said, now nah, is not the right time. So we committed ourselves to the next few years and said, well, God, you've got to speak through your word, speak through prophetic words, speak through your peace, and also speak through an open door. Uh, as an American, you can get into almost any nation in the world without, a, without difficulty. As a South African, believe it or not, it's quite difficult. Our passport doesn't allow us into as many cool places as yours does. So we knew that for us to get into the USA, it would have to be a miracle. It would have to be. And that started the next stage of our journey because after that first trip, we, we began to pray for the USA, but we knew it was still going to be into the future. And about two years ago, three now, uh, God... God began to speak to us again and began to say, it's time to start knocking on that America door again. And I was like, okay, cool, God. And I spoke to Eloise and we were like, yes, we're going to start knocking. But God, we need you to start speaking. And that night we decided, okay, we're going to start pursuing that. We had a meeting at our, at our church. And this, just is, this is just one of the cool ways that God spoke to us. We had a meeting at our church and nobody knew what we were going through. And as we walk into church, one of our deacons, uh, uh, came up to us and said, man, I've been praying for you guys for the last five weeks. And every time I pray for you, I just see you getting on this plane and you're never coming back. Are you guys going somewhere? <laughs> that night, I think it was, I had a Skype conversation planned with Steve. And as he said that, I was like, whoa, that's encouraging. Lord, you're beginning to speak. And then he began to speak to us through his word, through our devotions. The one day I'm praying like, God, I know you've said we're going to go. And I know you've given us this dream for Chicago, but speak once more. I don't normally cry. But he's, part of my Bible reading is Psalm 139, and I'm reading the message translation, and it says this, or interpretation. It says this, I've just asked God, God, are you sending us to Chicago? And, and I read this, it says, even if I settle on the far western horizon, you're there waiting for me. Wow, from where South Africa is to where Chicago is, it's pretty far west. And I'm like, wow, Lord, that's amazing. And Prophetic word after prophetic word, people who knew nothing about us would come up to us and say, God's saying, America, it's now, 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 and his plans and purposes are for you there, and things like that, and then began to speak through his word even more. Can I, I just want to share a funny one. Like, I even had a lady come up to me, and she said, I, I see you and your family. Like, while I was standing, saying, Lord, speak to me, she said, I see you and your family in snow boots. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> we knew it was going to be somewhere cold. <laughs> And God began to speak, and uh, we've only got 30 seconds left. So, okay, I just want to fast forward a little bit. So, Aiden came to me the one day, it was November, a year ago now, and yes, a year ago almost, and he said to me, he feels like God's saying, we need to step out in faith. Like we've heard him so clearly that for us not to step out in faith would almost be disobedience. And he said the line that came to him was that faith has no plan B, but will always lead to my plan A. And he said, we need to sell our house and we need to get ready to go. And the way God had spoke to us, I was like, awesome, let's do it. We put our house on the market. It sold the next day. And we, um, very sad, goodbye, but we left One Life Church and we set off to New Zealand to say goodbye to Aiden's parents. Well, not goodbye, but just to go spend time with them, thinking that in a month's time, this visa will come and January will be in Chicago. Okay. 
So we worked with the visa through with the lawyer, and he had advised us that it would take a certain amount of time. And we made plans around that certain time. We thought we'd spend some time with her folks in South Africa, then go visit my folks in New Zealand. And then suddenly it just got delayed after delayed. And our faith has no plan B, but it always leads to my plan A. And we've stepped out into nothing. What do you do when the promise comes and you just don't see the promise? And I felt God say to me this. I felt him say, you've stepped out in faith, and I'm going to teach you how to live by faith. And Romans 4 verse 20 says this, talking about Abraham. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. And that entered a a seven-month, actually a nine-month process altogether where a hiatus. We we took a sabbatical unintentionally. But actually where, where we had to live by faith. We took a definite end in South Africa. We resigned end of November. Almost, it's almost a year now that we resigned and had our last meeting. And God spoke, but God sustained. And here we are. And the enemy tried to get us to doubt. And, and, and there were moments where we wanted to doubt. But every time we wanted to doubt, we said, God, we're not going to waver in unbelief. We're going to believe you. We're going to trust in you. And God came through. Okay. I just want to say, like those seven months in New Zealand was probably one of the toughest periods of our life because it was literally seven months of waiting on this promise, this excitement, this church, because we had visited a year ago and we just knew this was where God wanted us. And, you know, there were people from all over saying to us, you should let go of the dream. It's not going to happen. Settle here or go back home. And without a shadow of a doubt, we just knew that faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And we just learned that in that wilderness period, we don't need to sink. We don't need, like, there's such joy, and it can be such a sweet, sweet time in that wilderness with God. In our final 20 seconds of going over two and a half minutes. Sorry, James. One of the coolest things was this. I was chatting to someone, and uh, he was busy giving me a good heart-to-heart and really trying to advise me to settle in New Zealand just, just because he loved us, and he didn't think the visa was going to come through. And he was just saying, you need to look out for your family now. You, it's been seven months, you're without a job, you need to provide for your family, you need to look out for them. And as he's been saying that, I, I just was reminded what God said, faith has no plan B, but it will always lead to my plan A. And I just shared it with him, I said, thank you for that, but I've got it. I'm just reminded, God told me, faith has no plan B, but will always lead to his plan A. He looks down at the table and he points me to a card, and it's an insurance card, and it says, on the card it says, plan B insurance. <laughs> no ways! God speaks. God sustains, and God always, always, always follows through, and He is faithful. Amen. James, oh, sorry. I just want to say one little thing is like just that what God did in us in those seven months in that period, He spiritually transformed us from the inside out, and that for me was one of the most significant periods of our life. You're so beautiful, babes. Give her a round of applause, everybody. Yeah. You, you know that God is doing a great work when the people who are sharing are like, and, and then I, and I was just, you know, I love it. Oh, thanks, guys. Thank you so much for sharing. Once again, just a glimpse. You got to get to know this couple. It's part of our church family. I want to invite Victoria up really quick. This is not so much a testimony. She knew I was going to do this like 10 minutes ago. Uh, this is not so much a testimony, but something that we're trusting for as a church family. Speaking of what Aiden and Eloise just shared a little bit of about hearing God speak, stepping out in faith and trusting that he will do what he has put on our hearts to do. Uh, we've been trusting as a church family for a home within this city, a building of our own. Not for the sake of having a building, not because a building is an essential ministry thing, but a place to outwork what God has called us to do within the city because we feel like he's laid that on our hearts. So one of the things we want to be very intentional about doing is as a church family trusting for this. It's not just the elders behind closed doors praying on our knees, God give us a building. This is us as a church family trusting together. We want to keep that in front of us Sunday by Sunday when we've gathered together. So I've asked Victoria to come up and pray for that and uh, just, to, just to stand in faith as a, as a church family. So Victoria, would you just... Take a moment and pray. It's not so much a testimony. It's a little, little break, but... <laughs> a little break of yeah, testimony. Please. Yeah, please. Um, oh, Lord, thank you so much for today and the testimonies of the people that are a part of this church. And when James asked me to pray, sorry, I'm, I'm going to kind of ebb and flow out of prayer and words. Um, I felt like God reminded me to thank him for the people who have come one time to church in the city mm. and who have been here for years. 
And Lord, I just thank you for all of the people who have passed through our doorways here and the way that we have been called to minister to each and every one of them, whether they're believers and they know Christ well or they don't know Christ at all. What a privilege it is to serve in this city. And Lord, we come before you. We know we can come with certainty that you answer prayers. It has been talked about today how you speak to us and that you are a God of miracles. And not that this is a miracle, Lord, but we know that this city is hard and not always easy to navigate in terms of city buildings or church buildings. And so, Lord, as we feel called to leave this home, which has been such a blessing to church in the city, and to move forward to where you are calling us, we just ask, Lord, for that building to come, that house, that home that will be a home to this church for nurturing, for deliverance, for more and more miracles, more and more testimonies, Lord. For your Father's heart to be tangible to the city. For us all to be called into, into family. Lord, we ask that it come quickly. That it come soon and that it suit the needs of this church, of what you have called church in the city to. And we ask this in your son's precious name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Victoria. Thank you. All right, you guys got two more in you? Two more? One video, one in person? Or one in person, one video? Okay. Caden, let's hear from Sunitha Chandy, who also couldn't be here. in the city. That's how it works. She's sharing now. Say that again. All right. Say what again. Oh, but I'm Sunitha. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Sunitha, uh, and I'm part of the Ron and Sunitha team. It's been a... um, It's been an adventure, I guess. I think Ron and I, our entire marriage has been a season of change, which kind of makes us think that we should stop calling it a season. That it's been a big season of change, and I think God's been doing a lot in our lives, and it's been really good, but it's been really hard. And so the big change for me is that, I'm trying to think how many months ago it was, I think it's been a while coming that I have been thinking about starting my own, my own practice. I'm a psychologist, and um, it didn't start from my own idea. It really started from a place of me trying to support Ron and really discerning what God was doing in his life. And I'd hit a point where I just sort of took a back seat in my own life and just sort of said, like, okay, like, I'll just support Ron and my boys, and Ron's in this really hard place, so I can't be in a really hard place. When your spouse is struggling, typically you are struggling too. You do life together. Um, that I kind of just turned off, and I described it to Ron as I fell asleep. And there was just a few sequences of events where I really feel like God woke me up, and it was really emotional and really heavy and really good. And so Ron has been in a series of... Uh, a period of time of really discerning what God has for him and understanding this journey God has taken him through his career choices and through the process of being a supportive spouse and sort of doing it with him, God started opening up for me again the things that I was passionate about and really highlighting how I wasn't living in that and how I was using my kids and Ron as an excuse for why I couldn't step into these things. Um, so in response to that, I think God left me with the choice. So I definitely felt God stirring things up, and I felt this pull to take a step. And doing that meant stepping into vulnerability and risk, which is ironic because so much of what I teach with my work with Carpe Ventus is all about risk. And so on all these different corners, God was reminding me and highlighting this part of who I am and how he has built me and how I wasn't living that. But God is a good God, and he's gentle, and he gives us options. And I really felt like I was given the choice. um, I was given the choice to stay where I was at, and that God wasn't going to leave me. But it really felt like two people sitting at a table and not talking to each other, but being there. And that's not the relationship that I want with God, and I know that's not the relationship he wants with me. But the choice of choosing God and the way... Um, the way God speaks to me is usually very direct um, and it's gentle-ish and kind, but it's direct. Um, and I think God is really clear with me about that there, that it's going to be hard. Um, 
And I think I, I had this picture, uh, one of the pictures that I had actually that happened during church once was that it was raining outside, like pouring. And I'm standing inside this really nice, comfortable house. And God told me to step out. And so I step out into the rain and I slip and I fall. And, and God was very clear in saying like, that's the choice you have is you can stay inside looking out or you can step out. And um, when I say slip and fall, I think my first picture is like, oh, I'm failing. Then I also think there is this idea of like, what does it mean to be overwhelmed by what God is doing and trust that you will be caught even when you're not in control. And so taking that step and realizing I wanted that uh, because I trust that God is good and I trust that what he has for me is infinitely better. And I know that even when it's hard, I have felt more awake and more alive being in this place of uncertainty than I have in this time where I was really comfortable and really protected because I was disconnected. And so it's been emotional and it's been big, but it's been beautiful in that mess. And so the practical aspect of the story is, you know, Ron's figuring out his job stuff and is finding a direction there. And now I'm figuring out, hey, Ron, I think I'm going to leave this super stable job I've had for six and a half years and expecting to get some pushback. And Ron's response was like, yes. His response was like, you should do it. And just seeing as God like woke this up in me, like how much that has benefited our relationship together because he has been so on board with what I'm doing and so supportive, um, even when it's been really, really hard because that's meant time and that's meant finances. Um, and that's meant focus going away from the things that it used to go to. Um, and so it started this process of like, how do I leave my job and how do I leave the stability and all these insecurities? And it raised me to the question of like, do I really trust what God says is true? Do I really trust that no matter what happens, whether I succeed or fail, that if God is glorified, that that's good enough for me? And I'm constantly asking that question. It's been good to have my eyes open to see how God is working, but there are a lot of ways this is really outside my comfort zone and the planning and preparing and logistics of running a business is something I've never done. And when I really like dig deep and seek God, I'm like, okay, business plan, marketing, and God keeps pointing out how I need to grow in him and how I need to stay vulnerable. Um, but I'm, it's still starting. It's still insecure. Like God's been great and I'm not going into debt, which is really helpful. Um, but I'm waiting for things to grow and I'm waiting and trying to figure out what it means to be faithful and not to withdraw or second guess, but to keep bringing forward and doing these things because it's hard. And every time I hit that place of insecurity, I have to go all the way back through the story of where God has been faithful and do I really trust who he is? And it doesn't matter that he's been so faithful because I forget because this moment is new and real and emotional, and I get to learn again about his goodness, but I also get to learn what it's like to be in that scary, risky place and have to reach out both to him, to Ron, and to the community to keep going. And I trust that God is good, and yeah. There we go. <laughs> All right. Yeah, Ron and Sunitha are an incredible couple who have trusted for a lot and who have stepped out in faith amazingly. So when they're back and you see them back next Sunday, seek them out and get more of their story. Okay, one more. You good? Yeah. Leah, would you come up? Yeah. This is Leah, and I've asked her to bring us home, Sherry, today. Thanks. Thank you. you good? All right. Yeah. Hi, I'm Leah. Um, I'm 27 years old, and I'm from Brazil. Uh, I'm living in Chicago as an au pair for almost two years. I live with the whole, uh, my commas family, and I have breast cancer. Uh, last May, I found out I had breast cancer, and my life uh, definitely turned upside down. Uh, I asked God when I found out, like, why me? I have, like, so many dreams. I have so many plans to my life. 
And why me? And uh, it starts everything like I have to, to look for treatment. Uh, I was not sure if I would stay here or go back to Brazil because the healthcare in Brazil is not that good. So I was like, how can I do all of this by myself? And my host family told me, we are here for you. If you decide to stay, we are going to support you. And since that moment, God told me, I felt in my heart, and he told me, I want you to stay. And I was like, how am I going to stay here? And I'm here to help them and not to be a problem for them. And uh, since then, my host mom started to work very hard to help me to, because I don't have a good insurance, so uh, she, know, she knows a good doc, a good, very good doctor, uh, Dr. Nora Hansen. She works in Northwestern, and because she has a daughter, and her daughter used to study with the boy I take care of, Parker, and Parker was always very nice to, to her daughter, and she never forgot Parker. So when my host mom talked to her, uh, she told my host mom, like, please bring her here and we'll see. And since then, she told me, uh, you're going to have a surgery and you need to have a double mastectomy. And I was like, what? I'm just 27 years old. What do you mean? But, and since then, I started to talk to God and I asked him, like, what do you want from me? Why it needs to be so hard? And he told me, it's easy. It's easy to trust in God. It's easy to trust in me when everything is easy in the life. Uh, but I want to see you trusting me when, when you have no hope. And since then, I, I decided to hold his hand and... Okay, and let's do it. If you chose me, if if you want me to to go for this, then let's do it. And thanks God, um, I got the surgery in Northwestern for free. Uh, it was very hard. My host mom spent a lot of time like calling and sending emails, and but in the end, they told us like, yes, you can get the surgery here for free. And thanks God I, I did it in July 11th. And then uh, it was the second step because it was the chemotherapy. And I also, uh, the doctor said like, oh, you have to start the chemotherapy four weeks after your surgery. And we were like, if I go back to Brazil to get this, the chemotherapy there, it's impossible because I'm going to wait like for months to start the chemotherapy. And we start another cycle, okay, chemotherapy, another hospital. And uh, thanks to God again, I got the chemotherapy for free in Mount Sinai. And every day, it's a different challenge. Um, my host family and I, uh, we have like, there are days I'm very tired, there are days I'm not feeling well, but I'm so thankful for God because I am in my, I'm going to the uh, fourth in chemo right now, and I have 16 in total, so I have three more to go, and thanks God I'm feeling great. Uh, I just start a new chemo right now, and this one is a, it's very hard, but even though I, God makes me strong and I can still smiling and looking to all of these. I look to God and I say like, thank you. Thank for picking me and thanks for making me so strong, even with all the situation. And, and yeah, I would like to thank you, Mike and Colette. They are not here today. And since the moment I met them, because I was feeling... I was feeling like sad in my heart. I was feeling, and they start to pray for me, and they start 
to say like God's you feel Leah don't like be strong and then they showed me you guys the church in the city and she said then I don't I feel strong enough you know because I know God is with me I know you guys pray for me and thanks God I have a wonderful host family with me and when I look around, I see how blessed I am. And I don't have reasons to be sad or to be afraid. And um, I have just reasons to be thankful. And say, God, say to God how wonderful and how amazing, how kind and how great he is to me. Yeah. Leah, would you... Leah, would you, would you stay for just a moment? Would you stay? We want to pray for you. And uh, I just want to honor, is it Toby and Alyssa? Yes. yes? That's Leah's host family. We just thank you for being here today. We're just honored that you're here. And we, we love Leah, and we know you guys love her. So thank you for making the time and, and coming to be here. I want to end today by us standing as a church family and praying for Leah. And if you feel comfortable, would you guys just come down front? That's, that's how we're going to do it. Come down. And Leah, would you stand down here? I've asked Debs to pray and then maybe one or two others and, uh, and then We'll officially bring our meeting to a close, but that doesn't mean we have to stop praying for Leah. That's the great thing about it. So, uh, Debs. Precious Father, I thank you so much for this wonderful woman, this daughter of yours. I thank you for the people that you've placed around her, her host family, the children that bring such joy to her life. I thank you for Mike and Colette for bringing her to our attention too so that we too may love on her. But Lord, I thank you mostly that she has always been in your radar, Father. You have known her from the time she entered this world. You have known that this is something that she would walk through. And Father, you have never, ever, ever let her go, and you never will. I thank you so much, Father, that we have had the privilege to meet her, to pray with her, to stand with her, to trust her, to trust you along with her, Father, for her complete healing. And that is what we ask you again for today, her complete healing. Would you do it in the name of Jesus? I thank you so much that we don't have to work you up. We don't have to beg you. We don't have to cry out for this, Lord. We just simply need to ask you, Jesus, would you heal Leah completely? We thank you so much for her, for the life that she is. Father God, for the joy that she brings, the hope that she brings, the testimony, Lord, of what you have done and what you will do in her life. And Holy Spirit, would you move right now in your power from the inside out and bring your healing in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that we pray to you not as one who is in the grave, but as one who is alive. Who took all of our burdens and our brokenness. You took them upon yourself. You took death and you beat it, Lord. And we worship you. And we ask in your name, Jesus, for full restoration and healing for Leah. We love her, Lord, and we know, Lord, that your love for her is fierce and unconditional and eternal. So, Lord, would you just take out all disease in your name? Would you take it out, Lord, to the glory of your name and for her fullness and restoration? We love you, Lord. And we stand alongside you. And it's a privilege to stand with one another as you have designed us, Lord. So come and have your way and do it in Jesus' name.
In Jesus' name, we pray for nothing less than miraculous healing in your name. Thank you for the honor, the joy of standing together as one church family. We love you, Lord, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. I think, I think you guys should be down here more often while I'm preaching. and that's so, kind of nice. Listen, a couple things. So we're going to officially close the meeting. We're going to touch long, so parents, when you pick up your kids from Groundbreakers, give them a big hug, slip them a five, something like that. A um, couple things. You know, I, I mentioned in the Bible that story of the blind man who was healed. Everyone's response right after that was, where is this Jesus? Where is this Jesus? And I want to say to you today, maybe, you, maybe this has been the first time you've ever seen people sharing about what Jesus does. If that's you, I just want to invite you. Come talk to me. I would love to talk to you about what it means to know Jesus. If you're asking that question, where is Jesus? And secondly, if we can pray for you with anything, for anything, stand with you, pray for healing, pray for restoration in relationships, marriage, just anything that you're burdened with, we want to do that. And I want to invite you to stay up here so that we can do that today. We'll have a team of people up here. And then lastly, remember, testimony is about exalting the name of Jesus and the deepening of family. And you're already like three inches closer to one another than you're normally comfortable with. So don't rush off. This is the honor of being together, okay? Thanks for joining us. Have a fantastic week. Friday night, join us at 1040 West Huron as Ken and Michelle Grenfell minister, and then they'll be here next Sunday as well. So love you guys. Have a great Sunday. Thanks so much to all the people who shared. Can we just give one more round of applause? Thanks to Leah and Whitney and the Whitakers, the Christes and Sunitha. Love you guys. Have a great Sunday. Thanks again for listening to the Church in the City podcast. Subscribe on iTunes and visit us at churchinthecity.us.